one do you know I'm stopping you for? Cause I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low. Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know. Am I under arrest or should I guess? What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Beck Easy. Hi, everybody. It's your girl, Jahan. Hey, guys. It's Trell, and this is... The, the team. team. Welcome, welcome. Episode number weak. 82. <laughs> Who, me? Saying Mine. Welcome, welcome. I couldn't get it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's always something going always on with you. Something. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of your favorite ladies, the team podcast. Hey, guys. We have some wonderful guests with us. Yes. Please, fellas, introduce yourself. Let the people know who you are. Age before beauty. (laughs) Uh, Dr. Lorenzo Boyd, I'm the vice president for diversity and inclusion at the University of New Haven, uh, former law enforcement and currently police trainer. Welcome. See, we got perfect people. And you, sir, our friend. Name is Tilly, as most of y'all know. Yay. Got about six years of law enforcement experience. I currently work in federal and military law enforcement down in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, spot it. We love it. We love it. We have been trying to do this episode for a little minute, and I'm happy that we waited because yeah. we have expertise Perfect timing, and knowledge. Right. Yes, on this stage. So, thank you so much for coming in. We're gonna have a wonderful episode. Yeah. How was y'all weekends? Anybody want to go first? It was relaxing. It was good. Nice. It was good. Good. Relaxing good. is always great. Mine was hectic because I was traveling most of the time. I flew right. up here Friday. Running around seeing family yesterday. Now I fly right back out tonight. So it's Aww. been hectic for me. Yes. See, he came from Charlotte to right. record we with us. We appreciate it. We're so happy. We definitely I appreciate I didn't get an that. accent yet, so I'm good. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's silly. How about y'all? Y'all know I celebrate my birthday this weekend. Yes. Birthday girl was yes. yesterday. Her birthday this was yesterday. This 32. Yes. I had a wonderful time. I conquered my pitcher of margaritas and myself from <laughs> Tay-Tay's. Tayamo. So... Life was good. A mixture of family and friends. We went strawberry picking with my son um, in the morning, and then I turned up, and then I came home, gave him a bath, and I went to sleep. Facts. Balance. Yes, balance. How about you guys? Uh, My weekend was the same. I worked, obviously, and then hung out with the birthday girl and the team, and went home, went to sleep. Right. (laughs) I like good early fun i was yeah. home by 8 30 i'd probably sleep by 9 30. it was good <laughs> i can't do the late nights two and three o'clocks in the morning anymore it's just yeah so Trell, you still go to sleep mad early yes i know yes. Team nark nark not pub- <laughs> not public anymore but yes yeah. i can sleep that's funny how about you joe um same as you guys but i'm going to add work mm-hmm. and i'm also going to add i tried a fat i tried a um restaurant today oh a soul food restaurant whoa it was good a different one really or one you've been to before let's so she's anti soul food in <laughs> new haven yes because all my have experiences good. have been horrible and we're not going to name any names but it's just been horrible so don't name any names oh. because i'm gonna say we'll talk after <laughs> um it was terrible but this is a new restaurant. Um, it's by my church on Willie Avenue. It's called, I don't remember the name, but I had ribs, which were good. I had cabbage, which was good. So, you know, good was things. Was it beef ribs? Good things. Huh? Was it beef ribs? Um, no, probably pork. That's but it was I'm good. Go and check I wasn't it out because I was thinking of soul food for dinner today. So, shout out to you guys. That's because she's so spoiled by um, Ooze and Oz down in D.C. Mm-hmm. Have you been? Mm. Have you been? I love their yeah. food. It's amazing. And Miss Tootsie's in Philly. Yes. Their food is the bomb. Yeah. So, you know. Yes. So oh, I'm, yeah. You know, you know, Ooze and Oz. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm happy <laughs> that I was able to have a good experience good. in New Haven. Sounds good to me. Oh, that's where I'll be going for dinner today. Right. Sounds good. Joe, you got a line for us? Okay, I do. So this is, I'm just going to give you a little background so you can try to guess okay. the lyrics. So this is a pop star. Um, and it's a woman. So when she had, when she was a star, no one was touching her. Mm. Okay? Okay. And she's just, she's been recently. Oh, I already know. She's recently been on the news. Mm-hmm. So the lyrics are, but now I'm stronger than yesterday. Now it's nothing but my way. My loneliness ain't killing me no more. Britney I am Spears. Was it the background or you know the song? Both. Yeah. Good. I was going to say Britney Spears because the background, the song, wasn't really getting now to me until I'm the end of what you just said. Oh, okay. Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. okay. The way it's you were reading it, I was like, who is that? Because you're just <laughs> reading it real plain. Was, 
And that's right. why, yeah, every line she reads it like in plain language. And we're like, I don't know. So that. After about three or four okay, words, I, I got it. Okay, good. Yeah. Good. I'm Shout really out proud. to Brit. Keep her and her and, and her, um, our prayers. Oh, oh we yeah. keep forgetting to get bring some real liquor. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Somebody just said something yeah, about shots. She's being held captive by her. Oh, oh wait. Oh look at this. Danny <laughs> done. <with her. laughs> Look, so, so the deal is. We just is, started a new. Yeah, thing. we started a new thing because she doesn't drink. So, so we if just started we don't a new get thing. It, we have to drink, right? But if if you guys get, get it, it, I have to. Drink. So, yeah. bottoms up. Look, I know. Don't, be worth it. don't say this. that. Jeez. You about to put in your wine? <sighs> That's corny. I guess we'll let you slide. Did it's she gonna give hit. me a shot cup? It's gonna hit though because I put I had some tequila in my wine the other day and I drank with some point. The rest of the shot, Danny. You didn't say you had to have it all. I guess. But yeah, Britney has been in the news. Um, she's going she's trying to get her dad to not be a conservator anymore over her. And he has been for many years. Many years. Yeah, so. So she can't do nothing. She can't spend her own money. She can't go where she wants to go. She was saying she how that she's he, on yeah. birth control. She can't have any more kids. It's He's just like weird. Her be on birth con- it's very weird. But you know what? I respect Justin Timberlake for his um, statement. Yeah, he was like, you know, although our relationship was so long ago, me and my wife, you know, send our prayers to her because nobody should be controlled. They should be able to live how they want to live. So I, I liked that of him. Yeah, I feel like, how long that been going on? Because I feel like it was in the news, like, it's sometime last year and years. it just came back years. up. Very long It's been time. years, but there was a documentary that came out about it maybe two, three months ago. Yeah. Mm. And she just took the stand the other day. Like speaking her, she's like, I'm not okay. Like I'm trapped, and I want to be able to live my life. I made this living, and I can't do anything. Um, She hasn't had custody of her kids since Mm. they were younger. Like she's totally been trapped since she probably shaved her head off. Hair, and I think that's when he gained um, conservatorship over her. And we have to understand, like people do have moments. Like she had a moment. Mm -hmm. If she's capable of taking care of her kids and being functioning again, I think that. You shouldn't just be a conservator forever. Yeah, because she shaved her head off, what, 15 years ago? Literally, we minute. were like in middle school. <laughs> it's been like, a minute. It's been a very long time. Um, and it's a movie actually on Netflix about like conservators. Um, you know how sometimes you're a ward to the state. So it's not oh, even somebody um, that you know. It could be anybody. I and care were, a lot. Yes. <laughs> that was a great movie. <laughs> and like they were like fraud. Like she had connections with the doctors. The doctor were right. This person is incapable of you know, taking care of themselves, she would be over them. And if they, and it was usually people that had money, like, yep. and she would like take, take everything money. from them and just put them in a nursing home. So there's one lady that they took, she was like a part of this like Irish mob or something like that. And she was like, they're going to come and get you. And she was like, what do you mean? And they came and got her. Like, it was, it's a real good movie. I got to see it. But yeah, check that out. Yeah, it's, it's funny too. It's, yeah, a, it's very good. A comedy, but so, it's yeah. good. Shout out to <laughs> Britney. I, I care a lot. lot. On yeah. Netflix. Mm. Oh, please watch it and let us know how you like it. <laughs> Any hot topics this week? Yes. Yeah, so as you guys know, we had recently uh, talked about CT legalizing cannabis on our, I want to say it was, what, 77 free smoke? Yeah. Um, so that became legal. And some key, some key points are less than 1.5 ounce of cannabis among adults age 21 or over will be legal beginning July 1st. So that's like tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Um, retail sales aim to begin by the end of 2022. Homegrown um, medical marijuana patients can cultivate up to six indoor plants um, beginning October 1st, and all adults over age 21 can do so beginning July 2023. Erasing prior convictions between January 1st, 2000 and October 1st, 2015, um, they're going to be automatically erased, and if it's after that, you can require a petition. Petition. So... That's good news. It is good news. That's I'm good excited news. that the part about um, records being expunged. Mm-hmm. Um, a friend of mine who had very little marijuana on him has a record technically now. So he's he actually went down to the city of New Haven because he's like, all right, if I go for a job, should I be saying no because it's getting completely erased? Or should I still be saying yes? Say no. Yeah, right. I would think no because erase it ain't never happened. <laughs> right, you're right. Erase means I don't know what you're talking about. Right, and that's amazing for him because imagine how many job opportunities um, that he was denied. And there's a lot of jobs now too that aren't even asking that question mm-hmm. because th- they are starting to 
hire people who have had previous offenses. My thing is if you did your time for it, like I shouldn't be still penalized right. after doing the time, you sure. know? Right. But we'll, we'll get into all that type of stuff. But right. shout out to CT. We'll see what happens. I'm trying to get into the selling portion because I know a lot of our community are just happy to have it on their person and use it. But those millions of dollars are going to someone, and I need to be one of those people. So yeah. we need to figure out how we get a license or something. And even if you don't get into selling it, get into the stocks. Absolutely. Word. Because it's, it's going to be lit. Silent, look, a silent <laughs> partner. Right. <laughs> I do, that might be the better choice. I do like that. So a portion of the revenue will go to communities negatively impacted by the war on drugs. And then there's also going to be a portion going towards um, prevention and recovery services. Nice. That's like definitely that. needed. Yeah. But you got to be careful there. Because if a portion is going to that, mm -hmm. does that mean the city and the state doesn't give the same amount right. that they used to give. Because so there's really. not necessarily a True. net gain. Mm -hmm. Because True. if you're getting an extra million dollars, the city may say, that's a million less we have to put in. Right, that's true. true. It was so many <laughs> lines. And when Kieber was on here talking to us about mm -hmm. the bills, she was saying it's a certain wording that you have to look out for in the bills. Because um, the bills had to like get investigated. They were investigating it for a moment because of a portion on there about... Um, the equity mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. making sure it's uh, across the board. Everybody can be a part of the selling and getting a license and all that. So yeah, you're right. We got to make sure we know those minor details. Yep. So hopefully they continue to still do their part. <laughs> yeah. We gonna see. We'll we see. gonna see. Anything else? So our next topic. Um, those of you um, who've been watching the news lately, the verdict is in in the George Floyd case. Um, the officer was served. Well, sentenced to 22.5 years yep. um, in jail. I was yeah. actually surprised about the length of the time that he got. I thought it was, I was like, oh, okay, 22.5 yeah. years? Yeah. Wow. It's a decent amount of time. I guess the minimum he could have gotten was 15 years, and the max was 40 years. And a lot of people said they wanted 40 years. Um, the judge made a statement that, you know, he's not doing it based off emotions. He's doing it based off of the charges that he was convicted of and, you know, because mm -hmm. he actually did more. I guess it was only 150 months he was supposed to technically do for those charges, but he upped it to, like, whatever, how many months equals the 22 and a half. I'm not doing no math right now. But, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, to watch the, um, the victim statements, mm -hmm. his yeah. daughter and, you know, them say it. And then uh, a lot of people were saying how his mother, her statement didn't even acknowledge the family and how they were, like, you know... That was a bit. Siobhan's it mother? just was like, this is my son. It's not just affecting him. It's affecting me as a mother. And didn't even acknowledge the yeah. Floyd family. I read, I read her statement. It, <laughs> but I'm not surprised. Not surprised at all. It was a little weird. I didn't like them interviewing his daughter, like poking her with all those questions. And I also was weirded out by him um, giving condolences. Yeah. I don't know. They said um, he needed to do it to show remorse. Yeah. And I'm like, that's cringy. I don't know. For that me, it's cringy. That didn't bother me, but I, well, I guess you've even got no more to say what else you're going to say, but I would have liked to hear it, heard a little bit more. Because well, he said he could he say said. more. Right. And I get that. But, but that was so weird, right? Little, I mean, for a little me. I, I can't say much because there's other, other legal matters. Things, legal matters. But... There's going to be details that might... Yeah, that was weird. ...help you out or make For you me, feel better? For me, I don't even understand why, like, his mother saying something, him saying something. He did what he did, sentenced him for what he did. It shouldn't and matter that's what it. anything anyone right. has to say about it after the fact. Right. You found him guilty, <laughs> give him the sentence you think he should have, and go from there. Right. Like, nothing he says is going to change what happened. Right. This or, is fair. Like, it shouldn't change, like, if he went up there and said something... Escape condolences, down. started crying or something like that. Like, all right, instead of 22 and a half years, let's give him 20 years or something like that. Like, right. no, if you're going to give him 22 and a half years, just give him 22 and a half years. Period. Right. right. I think yeah. the thing about that part is, remember, we didn't do victim impact statements 20 years ago. That's mm -hmm. still fairly new. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we talk about the restorative process, a lot of times in the criminal justice system, the only reason that you need a victim is to establish that a crime has been committed. Mm -hmm. And then we ignore the victim and we never care anything else about the victim. Right. Bringing the victim in for a victim impact statement is part of the restorative process mm -hmm. because the they need closure as well. 
True. But Good if point. you allow on one side, you, gotta you have on to lie on the other okay. side, which is why the mother got to say something. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what they say. That has nothing to do with the case. Right. It has nothing to do with the trial. It has everything to do with closure for, mm-hmm. them for them yeah. because they needed to say something. And yeah. I respect that. Makes that. Sense. That's, that's valid. Um, now, do you have you seen or do you think judges take into consideration no, those? No, absolutely not. Right, because that's what the judge here said. He had a 22-page, um, you know... He already made he his already decision knew. before that. That's right, what they said. Right. And that's what the um, people on CNN were saying. It was like, he ain't go write 22 pages in 15 minutes. He already knew he was, <laughs> he was give prepared. him 22 and a half years. <laughs> he yeah. did what needed to be done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, more uh, would be great, of course, but I'm, I'm satisfied with 22 and a half because... How often do, do they have to pay? I think they He's said one out of eleven since 2015 that's been convicted. So, yeah. to me, I the, just feel like it's a step somewhere. Yeah. When you look at the police officers, first of all, police officers are less likely to be tried. Period. Period. Mm-hmm. And then when they are tried, they're considerably less likely to be convicted. Right. And when they are convicted, they tend to get the minimum. Right. And we see that it's a process going from none to some, from some to more. Yeah. Because 22 and a half years is the most we've seen in recent times. Ever. Because before that, the Walter Scott case in South Carolina, mm-hmm. where the guy was shot in the back six times. Right. The officer there, Michael Slater, he was given 20 years. See. The time before that in Minneapolis, the, uh, the Muslim guy that shot the blonde woman by mistake, he got 10 years. So mm. we see that it's starting it's to progress. Better, it's right. going in the right direction. Right. Yeah, and that's so how for I, people that's, to assume that. that it's going to jump right to the maximum, it's, not. it's rare that anybody gets the maximum at any point in the system. It's just it doesn't happen all that often. Right. He wasn't even exactly. really going to be getting convicted either. His, he didn't even get arrested like originally. It wasn't until they were burning targets down and whatnot right. that they said, okay, let's just... And even still, in. his defense still wanted him to get probation and time served. Right. Because they, you've seen it multiple <laughs> times. So they not, it's not like they are trying something new. Yeah. You've seen it many a times right. where the police, they're just going to do administrative leave and just That'd go about that, their, their right. business. Like the lady in Texas that um, shot the guy on... In the wrong Her apartment. Slash his Botham do- John, say yes. his name. Yes. yes. That's yes. Um, his doorstep. Um, right. She, I believe she got four or five. She got 10 years. 10 and she's years. She's going to serve about five. Yeah. <sighs> Listen, you see my face, I'm like, uh, <laughs> Eligible yeah, so, for, for parole, yeah. Like yeah. you said, none to some, some to more, more to most. We'll, we'll get there eventually, but I'm we happy. in there. This trial definitely made a statement. Um, I think across so. the world, not even just the country, across the world. I think so. so. But let me, let me just say this. <clears throat> the conviction on all counts was the best possible outcome for policing mm. because there's still a lot of good cops out there that get into right. it for the right reason, that try to do the right thing. Absolutely. Right. That separates, wait, that's not us. Absolutely. Right. And the thing that would have been worse for policing is if he didn't get convicted, that still wraps up all of them together. Absolutely. Yeah. At least now, the community feels like they've got some semblance mm-hmm. of justice. And, and again, they weren't looking for justice, per se. Mm-hmm. The community was just looking for the absence of injustice. Right. Because there's been so much injustice with uh, communities of color. Mm-hmm. So they were grasping for anything that happened, and they got something. I so agree. That, that was a positive. It. I'm so happy yeah. about it. So... We'll be digging into that a little bit more after this. I have a You Tried It for the week. So this is usually somebody that does something real out of pocket. We just got to call them out on it. So I asked our listeners if they wanted to hear about The Bitter Ex or if they wanted to hear about um, She Said What Now? And everybody said The Bitter Ex 80%. I agreed with that. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, so a friend of mine, (laughs) a friend of mine uh, was sitting outside of her job. She was on break. And her ex had drove by and had screamed her name. So she just, you know, did a wave. And she's on her phone. Next thing she knows, he's standing in front of her. He must have got out of the car and like, oh, hey, what's up? And she was like, hey, how you doing? He was like, see, that's what I be talking about. And it walks off. What? So she's like super confused. She's like, what is happening? So then he texts her and goes, see, you try to act like you didn't know me when I came to you. But that's fine. Keep working them doubles. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> Shady. So she was like, he's saying keep working those doubles. Like I got to work extra because I'm not with him anymore. When he wasn't paying anything or <laughs> contributing to anything that was going on. She was like, and I am working overtime so I could finish paying this triple for me and my child. Like it was so stupid, but I was cracking up. I said, he gets it. You tried it. I think the thing that in that story that <laughs> yeah. made me raise an eyebrow, how does he know she's that she working was doing doubles? the double or if it was a right. regular shift? <laughs> right, 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 right. He just wanted to make himself feel better. That's not the first time he drove by. Yeah. <laughs> right. He should stay in his car and keep driving. Yeah. Right. Or but what are you getting assuming? mad for? Like, what said Like, what else do you want from me? I don't, I don't even have to talk to you. And people I'm, are so weird. It's nice doing that. I'm just so over people being weird. It was very weird. A lot of weird. them have been very weird lately. Like, really weird. stalkerish. And very since we're here, um, the she said what now was the principal here in New Haven that <laughs> said the N word. Oh, yeah. And uh, she still has her job, I guess. Yeah. They said our superintendent of schools just said to switch her to another school and make her assistant principal instead of a principal, which we all know her pay wasn't going to change. They're going to let her keep her salary. And our superintendent said that it was just a slip of the tongue. Not buying and what'd you say yesterday? I said, slip of the tongue means saying you say all the time. Right. And you and were trying to prevent from right. saying it. You forgot she was in mixed company. In mixed company, yeah. So then they, now she's going to be in an office job. I don't I'm, know. I'm ah. assuming this principal wasn't of melanin and skin. Absolutely not. Yeah, <laughs> it was a Karen. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I guess she said, you know, me as a white woman. So she knew the context in which she was saying it. I mean, what other context is there? But... She said, as a white, I guess she was trying to say how some people can say Why it should some she people, be held accountable yeah. if they Why are we if still she have say the N word? When, when instead of saying N words, said. When kids are allowed to call, when people are allowed to call us crackers and whatnot, why are we held accountable for saying the N word? But she said it, so. But she we'll said see. the word instead of saying the N word, and I guess, you know. The p people that she said it to took it to administration and was like, you know, we're kind of uncomfortable that she said that. Yeah, so we'll and see. nobody's just letting anybody say cracker. Right. It's, offense is offense. Like, if you're offended no by it, it's wrong. Nobody says cracker anymore. Like, who nobody says, nobody, that? Right. says that? Nobody says that Nobody says that I actually said all. it the other day, but I ordered, <laughs> I ordered soup. Oh, right. Okay. Right. And that, exactly. Cracker is a, a very regular word. Just like people was getting offended. Remember, people were starting to get offended over the whole Karen thing? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's like, why are you guys trying to use that as a slur? It's, it's I would never name. use the word cracker to, um, no. to describe someone. Me either. Like, I have white best friends. I would never disrespect them like, you're a cracker. I would never disrespect anyone. It doesn't even I sound disrespectful. Don't, I don't think I've ever said, you cracker. Yeah, no. <laughs> or that cracker. She tried it. They all tried it, so... We'll see what happens. But I, kudos to the Board of Ed, uh, the board members, because they're actually still pushing. Like, even though the superintendent said what she said, even though the mayor agreed on her decision, they're like, no, we need to do something. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. They work for us. We the reason why you're getting paid. So, no, if some ain't right, parents, y'all speak out, give your opinions, write your yeah, letters, because you know see, I'm good for letters. I see exactly, like, you know, because you're the leader of the kids. So if you're saying that, you have no consideration of the kids that you're serving. Right. Nope. Right. Exactly. So, Like, do you even care about them? Right. Yeah. And again, why in 2021 are we still asking, why can't well, you say it and I can't? Yeah. Why are we still asking that question? Right. I always say, like, out of everything, like, black people have been through, can't we just have the word? Whether right. You, whether <laughs> you use it or not, I know it's a whole big back and forth whether we should even use it. But why? Just let's have a word. It's just, just one let's word. Have it's, it. it's a five-letter word. Just let's right, have it. Right, it's ours. <laughs> just give. Let us keep it. Just like TikTok. The tick. You see how um, black creatives are banning are um, protesting protesting TikTok. So now all the other people don't have nothing to do because Those they can't some very steal bad our stuff. Dances. Very yeah, bad dances. I know. I know. So we we are we create basically everything. We are innovators. We are the blueprint. We yeah, are the respect us. Always so. have been. Trell, are you rooting for anybody this week? I am. I'm rooting for the first time in U.S. history, quote unquote, black women in sports are set to own the narrative at this year's Tokyo Olympics. So I'm rooting for all of our black female Olympians. Yes. They're going to Tokyo. I have like 23 listed here. That's I'm not going to name them all, but I will um, say a few names. We got Simone Biles, obviously. Yes. Naomi Osaka, tennis. Shakari Richardson, track. You know, she's been all over oh, yeah. um, social media social this media. week. Allison Felix, track. Asia Wilson, um, basketball. Simone Manuel, swimming. And so on and so forth. 
And they still are, you know, there are still people qualifying, so I'm hoping to see more black faces. I'm excited, I'm excited. And I seen that um, Telfar is gonna be doing the uniforms for Kenya, I wanna say. That's dope. I'm, I gotta double check, but yeah, he's gonna be designing the outfits for one of the teams. That's dope. That's amazing Another black-owned company. Is big. Yeah, so shout out to them doing great, great, great. That's amazing things. for him. It is because he's a whole like a new brand. Yes. So that's great. So yeah, I'm excited. You have a question for us? Are we um, go right yeah, into I do. Uh, okay. So Rihanna was out recently. I don't know if you guys seen on social media. Yes. She was out with her boo thing, um, ASAP Rocky. She forgot her ID at home and was denied entry into a club. <laughs> and so there was mixed reviews. You know, some people saying, you know, it's Rihanna, like, let her in. Others saying, like, oh, that he's doing his job. So my question to you guys is, do you think he was doing his job or being a prick? Being a prick. I agree. <laughs> he, can, he can easily pull out his phone and Google Rihanna and exactly. see exactly who she is. Exactly. Because that's I mean, what a lot of people were pointing out. They were saying, like, the purpose of checking the ID is to make sure you're over the age limit. We all know she's over the age limit. Right. That's valid. <laughs> now, question. If the police were to come and raid and say, oh, I got to check IDs, would the establishment get in trouble because Absolutely. Rihanna? Absolutely. If there was somebody from uh, licensing <laughs> watching mm-hmm. and seeing that you're not checking everybody's ID, mm-hmm. they could shut the business down that night. Mm-hmm. This is true. Now, do you think the fine for that is equivalent to the money that he was going to make from Rihanna being there. Right. Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> as soon as somebody hears Rihanna's in that club, they're going to make three, four, five times as much as he's going to make that night. And that's what some people were saying. Like, when, when the, it was like, when the manager wake up and see this. <laughs> <laughs> like, what would you think? Right. It's a, it's a tricky thing, though. It is it's a tricky, and I do get tricky both situation. Yeah. In my I head, I was thinking points. maybe he thought, like, all right, maybe they're trying to test me to see if I'm checking everybody else's IDs and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. sometimes club owners do that to the bouncers to make sure they're doing their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the only reason I could think of why he was so hard set on not letting them in. Right. But like I said, you could easily he could pull out his phone like I'm Rihanna, Google it, and just or ask the, ask the owner. Or like, Yo. he doesn't like Rihanna. That too. That's, that's <laughs> he probably was mad because she was with ASAP Rocky. Because <laughs> they probably left and went somewhere. And, He's still and, mad about that whole Chris Brown thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You because they usually do special accommodations for celebrities anyway, exactly. like whisk them to the private area mm-hmm. and top, they don't pay a bill and da 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 da. So. That's very surprising, but it, that is a very tricky situation. It is, because you're right. They do test test you. Mm-hmm. He might be. He might have been new, too. We're just giving him a bunch <laughs> right. of excuses. Right. He wasn't trying to he lose his job with Rihanna. He ain't trying to lose his job, okay? So, yeah, we're going to get into our topics, but before we do, please explain your professions, um, how long you've been in the game, before we get into our topic. <laughs> so, I uh, got into law enforcement and You don't have to say the year, but... <laughs> You a vet. All they need to know is you a vet. Yeah. A long time ago. You a vet. So I spent uh, just OG. under 15 years in uniform in Boston. The last 21 years, I've been a criminal justice professor or university administrator. But I also do a lot of police training. In a non-COVID year, um, I have a company that does training. We do about 300 hours of training of police officers across the country. Wow. And a lot of times we get calls from police departments when the stuff hits the fan, they call us in, and we kind of try to make things better. I just was going to ask. And that. over the last year, we do a lot of cultural competence training. Mm. We spend a lot of time with police departments trying to get the police to understand the lived experience of the people that they're policing. Mm-hmm. And usually, police training is outward-facing, and you treat the police as a monolithic group and only focus on the differences in the community. We do the exact opposite. The name of my company is Renz Consulting, R-E-N-Z Consulting, LLC. And we do introspective training. So we have police officers in small groups look at their biases, look at the things that they think about, try to understand why they feel the way they feel. We try to get police officers to understand community trauma, racial battle fatigue, vicarious trauma. We talk about the negative history of policing. 400 years that people of color have been on on this continent, there's been a negative relationship between elements of the government, and we try to get them to understand that. So when police officers roll into a community and they wonder why the people don't like me, Mm -hmm. it has nothing to do with you sometimes. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with the history. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the, uh, the civil rights struggle and black people marching, protesting peacefully just for the right to vote, 
and the police sticking the dogs on them and beating them down and the fire department coming. A lot of people in our community weren't there, but their parents were, their grandparents were. And remember, our history is an oral history. Mm -hmm. So we need you to understand that for generations, there's been a negative relationship between you and communities of color. Now you have to actually start building that bridge. Yeah, I love wow. the idea of evaluating your own biases and understanding the history, our history. Because, important. like you said, they usually call you when something happens. Something happens, or the fire's already set. Right. We'll go into it. Tilly, please <laughs> let us let us know who you are. Mine is nowhere near extensive as his. Oh, so you yes, should have went is. first. <laughs> <laughs> I've had about five or six years' experience in law enforcement. Spent three or four here, right here in New Haven, born and raised here. Now I work on the federal military side down in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina area. Um, that's really much all I got. Yes. <laughs> he covered and most we of love it. it. That was good though. That's but the, but, the, but the, touch, the touch on what he was saying as far as like community and policing and stuff like that, I felt like that was kind of like the route I was trying to take when I was a police officer here. But like I said, I know all three of them before I became a cop. I was in the community, mm-hmm. whether it was at Terminal 110 doing security, or actually I came to the Yacht Live show there yes. one time. I, actually, I came off break. I drove from you Whaley did. Avenue all the yes. way over to Terminal 110. And we appreciate you. Um, but yeah, we had a lot. It was funny because I would say New Haven probably has more training than most other police departments on like diversity and biases and stuff like that. More so because we kind of talked about it earlier. But I feel like some police officers don't get in. I won't say they don't get into it for that, but they feel like it's not their job, not to not, to not fix their biases, but to change the, perspe- the perception of the, the community, community to law enforcement. They're just there to do a job. They're there to enforce the law. Mm. And if you get locked up for a domestic, you get locked up for a traffic stop, that's what they're there to do. They're not there to shake hands, kiss babies, or anything like that. Mm. So that's... I guess that's probably a lot of the training that you have to deal with to say, hey, like, whether you like it or not, this is what you signed up for. This is how policing is in 2021. And this is how you either got to get with it or like we were talking earlier, you might as well get out. Right. This is what you got to do nowadays. Right. And they don't realize that it's actually making your job easier by building, building a relationship. Bridge. Because if I build that bridge and I am coming to even arrest you, it's not going to be such of a fight because it's like, look, I know this cop. He's good people. Right. You know, like, I respect just, you. You respect me. I've had me. that exact experience before because not even people, like I've seen people I know around and like, hey, Tilly, what's up? Blah, blah, blah. But even just me being a black officer, them knowing me from the city, whether it was they knew I grew up here. Some of them knew my father. Mm-hmm. He worked for the city. My mother worked for the city. Like I've been here most of my life until recently. So I've had situations where I was dealing like maybe a domestic Mm. where it wasn't anything arrestable, but I just go in there, I know how to talk to them just because right. I'm from here. I know how right. we talk. Right. right. And then five minutes later, a backup officer shows up or officer shows up just to kind of like see what's going on. They see them, they almost immediately shut down mm. or either that officer approaches them in a way that they don't like. Mm. Situation gets turned up. Right. Long story short, I end up arresting somebody because that officer made the situation something it wasn't even to begin with. Right. right. And you're backup. Let me be the lead in this. You see, I'm de-escalating it. And that's why we wanted you on the perspective because you were um, serving in the community in which you're from. And that's a, a point that we want to kind of bring to the table is being black and blue, mm-hmm. being a black man, especially with everything that's going on, um, and also being a man of law enforcement. Do you guys see... Um, a reaction different from when you go to a scene because you're black or I think it it depends because Mm. there are some situations where I roll in and everyone knows me they knew me from high school they knew me from middle school I roll in I'm part of the community right there's another situation where I roll in and they don't know me personally but they also realize that I represent everything negative that they see in policing. Mm. So there's a term, not to get too academic, but there's a term called double marginality Mm -hmm. where black police officers sometimes are not fully accepted by policing, but also they're not accepted from the community because now they're seen as sellouts because you're part of the problem. It's very different when you show up and you're the first officer on scene 
and you get to de-escalate. It's very different when somebody else showed up, things are getting wild, and then you have to come in and do cleanup. Now you look like you're part of the problem. Right, right, right. How about you, Tilly? Yeah, definitely, because like you said, sometimes you're not fully accepted into law enforcement, whether it's your peers, superiors, and then at the same time, you go into the community, and they look at you like, oh, you're Uncle Tom, or you you on the other side now, you ain't black no more, you blue. So it's, got, it, it's hit or miss sometimes when you start dealing with people in the community, because some people, like I said, some people see you and it's like, oh yeah, at least we got somebody that we know, somebody that's from the community. That's a lot of pe- people preaching law enforcement. It's like, we have nobody in the community actually working in the community in the as community. law enforcement. Right. But at the same time, people preach that, but on the back end of it, it's like, oh, well, now you're just Uncle Tom and you on their side now, you don't know what it is on our side anymore. So it's, it's a double-edged sword sometimes. Yeah, we had posted on um, our social like a graphic that was saying like, oh, why are you, someone was being asked, why are you um, an officer? And they were like, well, you know, be the change you want to see. And most of the comments um, on the post were like, nah, like why be a police officer? Black people become police officers and they immediately, they drink the Kool-Aid or whatever. But um, one person had an opposing opinion and I want to read it because I think it's a great point. She said, I agree with this sentiment. I think we should have black officers. If we take the approach of trying to remove ourselves in these spaces, the alternative is worse than my opinion. Imagine a country with only white officers and white opinions and white perspectives. We see how damaging that is in other spaces and it's just as damaging in anything law enforcement. Do we really want to remove our black cops, judges, and lawyers? And I agree. That's true. I, I agree. I totally agree. I am a criminal justice major. I come from a line of police officers. My uncle served 30 years at Briarwood um, Sheriff's Department. He started in the jails and he went to the street and he went and he retired in the jails. So I always wanted to be like him. I always wanted to be a police officer. I don't even know. I forgot why I didn't go, but I always wanted to serve in somehow, mm-hmm. whether it was in education, policing, probation, correction. I've always wanted to serve. So when people say things about about like not becoming a cop or da da, I'm like weirded out by that. Like, why? Why not? Let me dovetail on Joe's point. Being a criminal justice major, so I was a department chair at an HBCU for a bunch of years. Okay, sir. And the one thing that I would tell them when people say we're anti-police, then you should be in criminal justice because criminal justice is three things: cops, courts, corrections. So you're taking one third of your job opportunities, mm-hmm. and for the right person. Policing is a fantastic career choice. And, you know, for me, you know, law enforcement doesn't know me anything at this point. I got out of it what I needed. I made the um, decisions that I needed to make. I made the difference that I needed to make. And I reject the fact that people say black people shouldn't be policing. Because, again, we're looking at the pretext for the stop. Let's look before that. The problem is not there's not enough black cops in there because if you have black officers and you put them through whack police training, yeah. they become whack officers. Right. Yeah. So a lot of the things that we're doing in my company, we're trying to get people to reimagine training and right. not just reimagining policing. So right. working with Connecticut Post, working with the people that set the legislation for the mm-hmm. training that police officers have to do, it's funny, in Connecticut, 905 hours of police training to get through the academy. And based on your department, between 80 and 100 hours is firearms. Four hours community engagement. Oh, God. Let's, let's, that, let's flip fact. this around a little bit. Yeah. Right. So if we add more, because how, how many times did you shoot people in your job? Do you shoot people every day? I, no. I have not shot I went 15 years, <laughs> and I don't know that I've, I've drawn my weapon on duty. Mm. But yet, I communicate with people of color all day, every, every day. day. Right. So let's change the emphasis. Let's change the training. And there are some police departments that are doing it. Mm. My grad school alma mater, Northeastern University in Boston, they're doing uh, police training, their academy, a supplement for Boston and the training for um, Cambridge. Mm. Every Friday is a half a day. Because the second half of the day, the cadets are reassigned oh, to community groups. Mm. Wow. Either Boys and Girls Club or the Y or homeless shelters or something because they want the cadets to have a relationship with the mm. community members that's not an enforcement way. Right. So if you can get officers oh. to get into the community, get to know people, get to know the norms and mores, 
So it's my job to help build bridges community between the relations. police and community. And there's a lot of officers. There's a lot of good officers. There is. That are really trying to do the right thing. Right, right. It's as, as funny you brought that up because I just remember the story from my academy that made me think about, like, we, I know around here people talk junk about New Haven PD and, like, some of it is rightfully so. But I would say in our training, it was one point in our training we were doing community policing and addressing biases and stuff like that. And they had two people from the community come and talk to the academy class. Hmm. One of the people from the community was my father. Wow. <laughs> that was a big surprise. I couldn't stop laughing the entire time. So you didn't know he was coming? <laughs> had no idea he was coming. That's funny. And like I said, my father was born and raised here in New Haven. He worked as a firefighter for 30 years. And he's had his bad experiences with police departments from mm. being older to being younger back in the day and back in the 70s and how old was my father? 60s, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like bad experiences with New Haven Police Department. And even I've had my own experiences with negatively with New Haven, Hamden Police Department, surrounding departments and stuff. And my father got up there and talked about his and mine mm. and pretty much the whole class. He asked questions. He explained the situations to them. And like my father, he clean cut person, never did anything in his life. So it's like he was explaining how one time he got pulled over for speeding, and another time he got profiled when he was younger. He was saying like a cop just pulled over, said he was a suspect for a robbery, and pointed a gun in his face. And that was right here in New Haven. Back wow. He was like 12 or 13 years old. So Whoa. he's telling these stories of like how policing used to be and how we're trying to change it. And that's why I said we, people talk bad about PDs and New Haven specifically. But I would say more so than like the four hours that most uh, PDs are allotted for community policing. New Haven, even after that, we did community stuff where we went out in the community. We ran outside um, most of the substations. Uh, I think weekly we did like our mile runs in New Hallville right there by the substation and mm -hmm. by the, uh, is the academy still over there on Sherman? I think so. Yeah, it's over by, by Southern, Southern now because we yeah. used to go back oh. and forth. I know they were moving it before. But yeah, we used to run through New Hallville. We used to run mm. down by Hillhouse and stuff like that. So I would say Making more so than not, New Haven was on the forefront of like community policing and stuff like that. I respect it. I definitely respect it. Um, like you said, it's, they need to do the switch. That's, that's the key. Do you think that the switch is happening more with everything that's going on, um, you know, George Floyd and all these different um, things that are coming to light more. Do you think that you're being requested more often now than before, Dr. I Floyd? think the requests are different now because let's admit the murder of George Floyd is the line of demarcation for the views toward modern policing. Mm -hmm. Everything after George Floyd just changes. Just the rules are very, very different. Mm. So there's a lot of police departments that say, we understand police reform is coming. We understand the rules are changing. Let's get, get people in here ahead of time to get some of this training. Right. And if I can talk about New Haven, in Boston, we did Operation Ceasefire, 96, 97, where we did engagement in the community, and youth homicide fell by 56%. Mm. Wow. Several years after... New Haven called us down and we trained New Haven and it became Project Longevity, which is getting police officers into the community. And when Chief Reyes was the chief, he called us in and we did a lot of training for the command staff mm. because it's really important that the command staff knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. Just training the officers without the command staff, you know, the command staff are going to change it all the time. Right. So Chief Reyes had us come in. And then when uh, Chief Dominguez took over, brought us in again and, and did some more training. So it's moving the needle in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Let's understand, this, this issue that we have, it didn't just start. Oh, right. Right. So right there's nothing that's going to happen in 2021 that's going to fix it. Right. Long process. Because there's young brothers like Tilly that are going to come through that understand, that know the community, that are going to make a difference. And there's a lot of young brothers and sisters that are starting to do that. And like you said, it's... It's all about the mindset coming in. Like, like I said, you have to have a spirit of serving. You have to know you have to serve your community, serve the people that you, you, know, you want to protect. You can't go, go into law enforcement thinking like you're going to be defensive. 
it's not going to work. Right. Well, That's my I, thing. It's like, why is it automatically like, I'm a police officer and all I'm thinking about is who can I arrest, you know? Well, I think the mindset of policing, kind of like people, most of most people are young between 21 to 25, 26 years old. Right. And the mindset going into policing is like, I'm a running gun, I'm going to catch the bad guy. Yeah. And that's the complete mindset of most people getting into policing. Right. So I always said a bunch of times, I've had this conversation a hundred times, some people just have that mindset. And it doesn't matter if they have four hours of training, a hundred hours of training, right. mm-hmm. a thousand hours of training. Mm-hmm. They're going to have that mindset whether you like it or not. Right. And I always tell people, they're like, oh, well, how can you weed those people out through the academy, through the background investigation, psychological it's test? Like, I said, it's, it's almost impossible for you to say right. this person has this mindset of policing. He shouldn't be a police officer. Mm-hmm. It's almost impossible to ask certain questions to say, oh, this person can't be a police officer. Right. I wish there were mm-hmm. questions or some kind of test or right. evaluation you could. But unfortunately, just like everywhere, you're going to have your bad apples. Right. And you're going to have your bad police officers, your good police officers, and your police officers that are in between, unfortunately. That's true. And that's just, that's just how it works. So let, let's, let's dovetail on what he said, because he said something really good. Yep. So to be a police officer in this country, two requirements. One, Graduate you have to be 21 school. years of age. Right? Yeah. And you have to two, you have at least a GED. Mm-hmm. Right. Clear record. That's it. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's also acknowledge, not to get too academic, 21 years of age, we give them a badge and a gun, we give them discretion, we allow them to make decisions. The average adult brain doesn't fully develop, develop. until 25 or 26. Right. right. But yet, 20. think about what you were doing at 21. Right. You know, <laughs> so I was having this conversation a while back when they were trying to bump the juvenile age up to 25 here in New Haven, or I think it was nationwide or something like that. And people were like, oh, they're bumping up juvenile age. And I don't know about you, but arresting juvenile, dealing with juvenile is a hundred more steps than dealing with an adult. Mm. But I was having the, the argument of, well, if we bump up the age for juveniles to 25, saying the brain's not fully developed, why are we not bumping up the age for law enforcement to, to 25? Because you're right. saying that juveniles out here committing crimes, their brain isn't developed enough for, to understand what they're doing. How, the same, you, how the can you same not have applies. that same concept for... Right other employment, something definitely like law enforcement or fire department or whatever kind of employment that you can just be 21 to get into, that you're dealing with something as serious as whether it's pulling somebody out of a burning building or life or death situation, whether you have to shoot somebody or not, or just dealing with uh, traffic violation. Right. That's a valid point. The second point, words matter. Absolutely. We keep referring to law enforcement, which is problematic. Right. Because, again, not to get too academic, I am a college professor. Yeah. School us. <laughs> Enforcing criminal law as it applies to index crime is only about 20% of what the police actually do. Right. So calling the police law enforcement is like calling me a test grader. Mm. I actually do great tests, but there's a lot That's more that it. I do. Right. So policing, between 50 and 55% of policing is service mm. and administrative. Law enforcement is only 20%. Mm. If we're bringing them in, telling them they're going to enforce laws, the run-and-gun attitude that the young people get, they're looking for the bad guy, and yep. they want to you know, arrest people. Yeah. The other thing is we also acknowledge there was a study that we did in Massachusetts that said 74% of the people in Suffolk County, in Boston, mm. that was convicted of a crime had a history of substance alcohol abuse. So if we acknowledge that, wouldn't it make sense that we would put more money into substance abuse as right. opposed to enforcement? Mm. One more thing. Listen. We also acknowledge that Make there, it plain. there's a larger percentage of people of color that are incarcerated. That's not just a policing thing because there are more people of color that are prosecuted, more convicted, more incarcerated. But we also know that the average literacy rate, the literacy rate of people incarcerated between fifth and seventh grade. Yes. So it seems to me that the people that are in there, why don't we mandate education at that point? Secondly, if we want to fix the crime problem, because crime is not the problem, crime is symptomatic of larger problems in Mm -hmm. society. If we fix some of the societal problems like unemployment and substance abuse and undereducation, crime will take care of itself. I agree with that one thousand percent. Take your time, right? Pastor. I know you're preaching. Right, everything you're saying is absolutely right. And if you think about it, 
when you're a kid and it's like, oh, look, I want to be a police officer because I'm getting the bad guy. It's ingrained in your mind as I'm getting the bad guy from when you were a kid. Cops and robbers. And and it's just that's the mindset that needs to be changed and dismantled. And I think you guys both do great work. Thank Mm -hmm. you for your service, because people like you are the reason why change is going to happen. Right. It is happening. So definitely change is here. Right. Right. Let me make one more point. (laughs) Black Lives Matter. Mm is not anti-police. Right, right. Black Lives Matter is pro-accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. And we also acknowledge that if a black person is killed, their killer is less likely to be brought to justice than if the person is white. Absolutely. Right. So that's the point that we're trying to make. Right. And if I say Black Lives Matter and you say all lives matter, first of all, that's a false narrative. Right. You know, if you have a significant other in your life and your significant other says, do you love me? Well, first of all, if they're asking, you're doing something wrong. Right. But if they said, do you love me? And I say, I love everybody. Mm, That's kind of like the whole thing. I'm like, what? Right. Because all lives can't matter until black lives do in fact matter. Right. Right. Because we're a part of the all. Right. And And the reason why we're saying is because it it don't. They don't. So if I say black lives matter and you say blue lives matter, first of all, blue Mm, is not a life. life. Amen. Blue's an occupation. Blue's a choice. Every day we take off our uniform, we're black again. Absolutely. So I can take off my uniform and decide I'm a carpenter. Right. So blue is an occupation. So that's Mm. a false equivalency. So that's like walking into a cancer hospital and saying, you know, there are other diseases too. Right. So blue lives matter, squash that. Right. Doesn't work. I agree. Right. I definitely agree. And it's just so crazy that the numbers are there. The statistics are there. The evidence is there. That boy that um, shot up that church down south, mm-hmm. he was asked, do he want to go to Burger King first before going to the police station? Right. You don't see any bruises on him, no scratches, no nothing when he took his picture. The, um, the two white people that got arrested, which I feel like they might be going to trial soon, um, Ahmaud Aubrey, mm-hmm. when he was running. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have got arrested if that person in their group message that seen the video said something. Right. So it's all there. And I don't get why certain individuals still want to be blind to the, oh, they, it's like they want to they wanna have the struggle so bad. Like they want to be a part of the struggle so bad. It's all about accountability. They're not ready to face that they have to be held accountable right. for That's their actions. That's what action. I was going to say. I'm a firm believer in there are some people that are just committed to misunder- not trying to understand what's going on. And there are some people who I think hide behind their fake, I don't know what's going on. I think they use that as a way to be like, oh, I don't know what's going on, so that it can't possibly All happen. I know is I'm not a part of the problem. I'm right. not racist. I have black friends. Right. I remember I had worked with this nurse, white, of course. And I remember, this was like a few years back, and I don't remember what was going on at the time. Black men were being killed by police officers, of course. But she had said something like, do you, do you guys think that's really happening? And I'm like, what do you mean do I think that's really happening? Do you not watch TV? Do you not be on social media? Yes, it's happening. That's why we're talking about it. And I feel like your training needs to be across the board and not just for policing. Because working in the hospital setting, you see it a lot of times too. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're just here drunk or oh, um, they're on drugs. But you have to know what is going on in the communities to make them want to medicate themselves because I can't find a job. I had a marijuana charge from years ago Mm -hmm. that was very minimal that I'm still not getting a job for. So I'm going to self-medicate myself to actually be able to want to even be here. Or even education. Well, let's, let's add one more thing to this, yeah. since we're talking about policing. Yeah. So let's also understand the trauma that police also go through. Absolutely. Because there's a lot of trauma in policing and a lot of self-medication, which is what triggered that. And police officers are 300 times more likely to be alcoholic than the general population. Mm. They are three times more likely to commit suicide than the general population. Mm -hmm. The average divorce rate in America is about 54%. Mm. The average divorce rate for police officers, it's um, approaching 70%. Mm. So let's understand that there's trauma in policing that we don't talk about. Because for the fourth year in a row, fourth, police suicide has outpaced police homicide. Mm. Police getting killed 
it, when police officers die, they're more likely to die at their own hand mm. than by the bad guy. But we don't talk about that. Right. So we need to normalize asking for help because there's a lot of cops out there that are hurting. Mm. And those are the problem officers because hurt people hurt, hurt, hurt people. people. Yep. You're right. That's absolutely right. And there's stuff that they have going on either home and in the, in the um, I just was about to ask. As far as have you seen something where you had to intervene or felt like you should intervene or you were scared to intervene because, you know, oh, he's the pig or, you know, you, that concept of policing, that right there can trigger um, a police officer and it could be a trauma to them too. Like, dag, I should have said something or if I said something, this would have happened. Dealing with that guilt. Or I was scared to because I knew the aftermath of it. Have you ever experienced anything like that? I would say, I've, I wouldn't say on the extreme level of like, intervening on like a shooting or somebody beating somebody up or something like that. Mm -hmm. But just something as simple as like saying you're on a call and that other officer is just changing the complete tone of that situation. And you just know to step in like, hey, mm -hmm. I got this. You don't have to say anything. You can just step back. Cool I'll let you know if I need you. But just kind of just being able to speak up and just not let them take over to control the situation. And a lot of times it's usually senior officers like you'll be on two, three years, you had this situation under control, you got a uh, eight, nine, 10 year veteran coming in. He's like, all right, what do you got? And try to take over the situation. Maybe not so much of just being an asshole, mm -hmm. but just because he believes he has seniority and he thinks he's trying to help yep. you out being that senior officer. But like I said, sometimes those senior officers aren't understanding in the communities today. Right. So whether I have two years on or six months on, I might understand that situation more mm -hmm. than that nine-year officer. Right. So I would say situations like that happen more often than not, where you mm -hmm. have to like kind of step in, like, hey, I got this. Don't worry about it. Right. right. That's why I think we need more black, because I personally would like to see every non-black officer have a black partner, because I feel like if we have good, because I know there are some black ones that are corrupt as well. That's a big ask. <laughs> I know, I'm sure it is, but that's something I would like to see because I think having good black police officers in every situation could de-escalate and save so much unnecessary trauma, I think. Let me change that a little bit. What if every black officer had a white partner and then that way the white officer can watch the interaction between the black officer and can learn? That works too. Absolutely. But I think we also have to have that white officer has to be willing to, like you said before, step back and let that black officer handle the situation. If you know, because even when I worked in psych and even um, then, like sometimes I would have to say like, chill, like let me talk to this person because I yeah, might have a better rapport than you and they're gonna receive what I'm saying way better than you who they don't even like, you who's aggressive, you who think, oh, they're just a drug addict, you know? See it all the I, time. But let's, let's add to this. So go back to your scenario where you're the officer and you've got it under control and then the other 10-year veteran comes in. Talk through that scenario again, because I'm going to show you what people, our people do that messes this up. I'm saying like I walk in, I have the situation, let's just say it's a domestic, and nothing physical, they were just arguing back and forth, words were says, now she wants him out of the house, right? And he ain't leaving. <laughs> and he's not leaving. All my leaving. stuff is here. <laughs> so I pretty much try to de-escalate the situation, going like, hey, you have anywhere else to stay? You have... Any walk, go take a walk for a little bit, anywhere to go. Then the other and, officer comes in. Then the other officer comes in, and he's more, like, I'm asking, like, hey, go to mom's house, friend's house. Other officer's like, all right, either you get out or you're going to jail. And then it automatically escalates that situation. And then mm -hmm. you ask the officer to back off and let you take it, right? Yeah. And then the, then the community member's like, that's right, back off, he uh, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Now you're, you're, oh, yeah, you're going against his yeah. leadership like, oh, really? and authority. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, that's what people do. I'm sure. Because a lot I'm of sure. times... That's true. People talk, themselves into, oh. people talk themselves into arrests. Exactly. People talk themselves into tickets. I've seen so many calls I've been on where people would literally talk themselves into cuffs. Just like that situation. That I've, seen, I've seen it probably 50-50 go both ways. Where you get there and it's 100% you don't have to arrest somebody. You just did a de-escalate, have a conversation, and figure out a solution outside of sending somebody to jail. Also, um, like you said, whether it's they, I'm not going to jail, blah, blah, blah. Or another officer escalates the situation. Now they're yelling at the other officer. That veteran officer, now he puts hands on the guys. Guys tussling with the officer. Now somebody has to go. 
Right, right. Because they don't realize that officers don't want to write reports. Right. They don't want to write a no, report. So when they no, come on the scene, no, we let's, do not. let's talk it out. You don't have to. And then your escalated situation. Oh, now we got to go in. Now we got to write a report. And I think that the community just has to trust that that black cop has his back in that example. So, look, I got this cool oil. And another thing I always preached before was educating the community on yes. what we do and why we do it. And the steps right. that That's important. Just like yeah. far as uh, motor vehicle stop. I don't know now how it is with legalized marijuana. Right. But on a motor vehicle stop, if I smell marijuana coming out your car, I can instantly pull everybody out the car, search your car, pop the trunk, open the glove box, at the whole shebang. Right. A lot of people don't understand that. Whether they think it's right or wrong, Probable. before uh, weed was legalized, that's how it was. Mm -hmm. Whether I could smell it from afar, I could smell it when I walk up to the car, whether I seen like a little roach in the ashtray or seen mm -hmm. little baggies or anything. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you know, people smoke weed in their car, they might not smoke that day, but their car just smells like weed. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> Instantly, I walk up, I can search the car, and people are like, you can't search my car, I wasn't smoking weed. It's like, eh, Probable I kind of can. Yeah. But they don't understand that. It right. becomes a big thing. Whether, Always because I'm black. Period. Whether they, exactly. Whether they, they refuse to get out the car, now I got to pull you out the car, now you're getting arrested, versus you have no weed in the car, your car just happens to smell like weed. I search it, I find nothing, I write you a warning for whatever I pulled you over for, I write you a ticket, give you a verbal warning, send you on your way, now it turns into an arrest because you don't understand how the law works. Right, right. That's so a great just like, point. So just like law enforcement needs more education and more training on the community, I think community needs training on understanding why we do things and how we do things. Absolutely. I agree, so I the, think it definitely the, has to be the, on both sides. To keep that, to close that gap on the, on the, the bridge. The, yeah, the bridge you between law enforcement and the community. You can't start building the bridge right here, and then the other side, we got to bridge it so that yeah. we meet in the middle. Yeah. Right. You can't build a bridge from the middle. You got to start on both sides. That's yeah. it. Oh, you better call <laughs> Having all the nuggets, right? <laughs> <laughs> now, before we go, um, defunding the police, what are your thoughts on that? Look. Can I go first on that one? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. First of all, the problem is people use terms and not ideas. Right. So when we talk about defund, that's not a new concept. Right. It's a new term that we're using to be hurtful because, again, hurt right. people hurt, hurt people. people. And community members are hurt. They want the police to hurt. Mm -hmm. But this is the same song and dance that every police chief and every mayor goes through every May. It's called resource reallocation. Mm -hmm. And in years like this, when everything was shut down, nobody's paying taxes, nobody's buying stuff, the city gets fewer tax dollars so they can't spend nearly as much. Right. So we still have to fund schools. And we can't give, if we only have $1, we can't give the police 35 cents like we used to. We got to give you 32 cents. Mm -hmm. And that's what it looks like. But when, when you think about the defund thing, most police departments are about 35% of a city's budget. That's the biggest part, 35%. Mm -hmm. And of the police budget, between 70 and 80% of the police budget is personnel. It costs an awful lot of money to train this dude and uniform him, pay his salary, and pay his benefits. Right. So, so of that whole thing, 70 to 80% is personnel. Mm. Of that 70 to 80%, 20% of that is overtime. So in the defund movement, ultimately what they're saying is let's take some of the overtime money and reallocate it into preventative programs because right. remember... Crime is not the problem. Yep. Crime is symptomatic of other problems. Yep. This happened in Los Angeles, talking to um, Mayor Garcetti's people. When they wanted to put money into preventative programs, they lost a whole lot of money because there was not a lot of taxes. They said, we're going to shut down a bunch of programs. Mm. One of the programs they shut down, Parks and Recs. Makes sense. So all these kids that were normally supervised are now unsupervised. So now you have young kids, school-age kids, because school's not in session. Right. Yep. They're out doing stupid do. stuff. So then they had to increase the police budget for overtime to deal with all these kids. So when we talk to uh, the mayor's people, take some of the overtime, reallocate it back into parks and recs again, mm -hmm. and you won't need to have the police. So right. when we talk defund, 
we're actually talking resource reallocation. Right. Thank right. you. And that's what it means to me. <laughs> right. Same to me. And people are taking as defund, like, oh, you're just going to take the money from the police officers. That's not what they mean. Like you said, you have to build a relationship with the community. If you do more of that, you would need less. It'll, it'll be less of... Yeah, the friction between the police and the community. Absolutely. So I'm happy that you explained that in detail because a lot of people think defund, oh, you just want to get rid of the police officers. Right. We're just going to have a free-for-all. Everybody's going to be shooting each other. Yeah, like a lot of people zombie. are taking it as abolish yeah. the police. Right. Like the purge. The purge. Yeah, I just was about to say it. That's not what it means. We're allocating the money into things that are very much needed. To That's make what I do. Yeah. I take complex things and I make them really simple. You better, you better <laughs> what come a professor. Yes. Right. Yes. So that's, we're that's so job happy. security for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, let the people know where they can find you if they have any more questions about policing, anything like that, if they want to hire you for this program, because honestly, like I said, it needs to be more than just the police officers. But yeah, go ahead. If you go to my website, rensconsulting.net, R-E-N-Z consulting.net. And you can read about our company. You can read about stuff that we're doing. And there's a link at the bottom. You want to email? Shoot me an email. Sounds good, Tilly. You? I don't got a company or business, but you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> T Till Hitchens. Also, you can follow my other podcast. I just was about to say. <laughs> at School in the Gang. Shout out to Biz O and School. Yay. Don't be saying a little podcast. So is, is he going like, to invite me to his Y'all fancy out here. We only nah, doing on nah, Zoom. Nah. You gotta we all started somewhere. When, when do I get the invite to your podcast? Yo, I'll, get, I'll get your too. information. Okay. We'll sign oh, it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling left Listen. out here. You, you even got to leave from home. You can do it right on Zoom. Absolutely. See, he's doing good yeah. stuff. That's I want to be part of it. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for sharing your knowledge. It's definitely needed. I'm so happy we're able to do this episode. And we appreciate you guys. Thank you for your work. No Thanks for having Thank us. You. Yay. Jill, Jill, do you have a positive vibe? Um, <laughs> honestly, my positive vibe is basically... Um, Get informed. Definitely right. get informed. Yes. That's get the only informed. way you can bridge the gap. So before you start making statuses and start going on a rant, definitely inform yourself. Right. Absolutely. Inform yourself. Right. That's key. Right. Do your own research. Right. Don't go off of someone else's knowledge. Definitely do your own research on things. Absolutely. So that's my positive vibe for the week. Thank you so much. Until next time. Toodles. Bye, Bye guys. Thank you. Foes that want to make sure my cast is closed. Rap critics to save money, cash holes. I'm from the hood, stupid. What type of facts are those?